Okay. All right. All right. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, excellent. Hi, and welcome to Politics in a Movie with your hosts, Doug and Mike. I'm Doug. And I'm Mike. And this week's episode, the 1980 presidential election and a fish called Wanda. Yes. Yes. And, uh, oh, hey, a quick mention to our behind the scenes tech guy, Frenchie. He does our editing and other various tasks and is magnifique. (laughs) He would say hello, but he has a habit of mostly ignoring Americans. (laughs) All right. Now, as our regulars know, we tackle two topics in our podcast. Mike will run a topic on politics that holds a special meaning to him. And I will ramble on about a movie. (laughs) So anything to add, Mike? I think you covered it, Doug. All right. Good to hear. Why don't we roll right into our political segment, uh, the 1980 presidential election. Mike? Thanks, Doug. Yeah, I uh, I always thought the 1980 election was very special and uh, significant. There's a, and, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good follow to our previous podcast that was about the Watergate because the 1980 election included that the then incumbent, Jimmy Carter, who was sort of the response to Watergate as a right. president. Right. He was the clean, Christian, Southern, high integrity, former naval officer, you know. Oh, Carter president. was a former naval officer, huh? He was, yeah. And was he a farmer at the time? I forget. Yes. Well, he owned a farm, a peanut farm, and he, he used that in his campaigning hmm. a lot. Yeah. 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 So people were sort of fed up with Nixon or had a bad taste in their political palate. Yeah. And he was kind of the outsider to Carter. He was the governor of Georgia where, you know, we had seen presidents who had been a senator or, you know, more Washington based. Uh, Nixon was, you know, also governor of California before he was. Uh, right. Before he was vice president. But then he became, then he ran for president once and lost and then ran again and, and won. But then, of course, got in some trouble with Watergate. And Carter was this outsider, you know, really nothing to do with Nixon and Washington. You know, he, he had these Georgia people. They called the Georgia Mafia his uh, hmm. his White House people. Right. Um, but, but he was unpopular. You know, the country was going through some stuff with inflation and the energy crisis and uh, the energy crisis, which had a little bit to do with what was going on in Iran. There were hostages in Iran, you might remember, yeah. right before that election. So Carter was catching a lot of the the blame from that. And it, later in the you know 1992 election, James Carville, who was Bill Clinton's campaign guy, he kind of coined the phrase, it's the economy, stupid, mm-hmm. meaning that to run for president, you've just got to focus like a laser on the economy because that's right. what the that's what the voters care about. And Carter was catching the blame on sort of the what Carter called the malaise, or actually, I don't think he ever used the term malaise, but he was he made a famous speech to the country that people called the malaise speech, where he described 
the stuff that was going on, inflation oh. and now energy who, prices and, and so, such. So I'm curious, uh, who who was Carter's <laughs> vice president? His vice president was uh, Walter Mondale. He had been a oh, senator right. from Minnesota. Okay. He ran for president later in yeah. the 84 election. Right, but, yeah. Uh, that didn't go too well for him. <laughs> no, no, for Mondale, no. Right, but, so, uh, so it was Carter and Mondale in office in 1980. Yes. And then they uh, and then they ran against or so, uh, who? So what's the rest? <laughs> so in the primary, Ted Kennedy made his bid for uh, for president, and he he famously just did a bad job in his like re, his pre primary interview with Roger Mudd of uh, Network News, where he didn't make a very clear reason for why he was running it was sort of like well i'm a kennedy you know mm. and i think that was the perception that people got but right. i know in my house where you know i grew up in massachusetts my dad you know was an irish catholic and kennedy was an irish catholic and they were big supporters of teddy um yeah right so so he gave carter a tough primary and yeah. uh yeah. carter won but um, Kennedy did the dam did some damage. It's it's not good to go into the general having just suffered some blows from your primary opponent, or sometimes it's more than one primary opponent. Um, right, and so so Ted Kennedy uh, was a pretty boastful fella, would you say? Oh, I think in that election he was considered sort of fumbling and hmm. not making a clear message, you know, for his vision. Oh, okay, okay. And, uh, you know, that's just me. I don't know. We'd have to consult some experts. Uh, Frenchie, right. what do you think? <laughs> yes. What do you think about Ted Kennedy? <laughs> well, all I know is that, in my opinion, Ted Kennedy has physically a very large head. <laughs> well, as an Irishman, I can attest to uh, that being a genetic trait. <laughs> <laughs> so Kennedy and Carter had a bruising primary. Another thing I remember about 1980 is the summer of 1980. I visited New York with my family, and uh, it actually the Democratic convention was happening hmm. uh, while we were there. And um, we went to the Dave David Letterman that time daytime talk show. Right. His guests included Chip Carter, son of Jimmy Carter, hmm. and uh, Johnny Paycheck of the Take This Job and Shuff It fame <laughs> was the musical guest so i that was an interesting time for me yeah no that sets the stage uh you know in that <laughs> era <laughs> yeah on the other side the republican side reagan sort of faced a bruising primary against george herbert walker bush who right. had been a congressman from texas and also previous director of the cia they they george Bush, the senior, uh, famously called Reagan's trickle-down economics ideas voodoo economics. Anyone know what Vice President Bush called this in 1980? Voodoo economics. Ah. And later, trying to be the loyal vice president, was asked, hey, how could you call your boss's economic plan voodoo economics? Reagan sort of consolidated the disparate wings of the party by taking on Bush as his uh, 
vice president. Right. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of people get confused about, uh, you know, when they hear of a Bush uh, in politics, because, you know, there's those two, two separate people, both named George. <laughs> and, I, yeah. you know, of course, people just refer to the elder one as George Sr. Yes. And uh, so back when those two were running, um, was it at all surprising, do you think, uh, that people found Reagan to be running? Uh, well, I guess he was governor when he was running, but previously he was just a film star. Yeah. Yep. And he was a movie star. He was he was maybe Donald Trump's celebrity candidate before Donald Trump. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think he's possibly the first, uh, you know, modern celebrity candidate and uh yep. and actually he was referenced um in the uh first back to the future movie <laughs> where uh you know marty travels back and he encounters yeah. doc in 1955 and doc doesn't believe he's from the future so he asks him a question to prove he's from the future and he says okay uh, who's president in 1985 and marty mcfly confidently says uh, ronald reagan you know like oh i know this answer ronald reagan Doc Brown is not buying it. Ronald He's, Reagan, the actor. The actor? That's yeah. exactly right. Exactly right. Ronald Reagan, the actor? <laughs> yeah, but he, um, but you know, he built up a lot of uh, cred being governor of California, I suppose. Yeah. So, so just moving to finish off my segment, the general knowledge or the general consensus of the 1980 election is that it was kind of a political realignment. Because Reagan was a very different animal. He was he was kind of, you know, whereas Carter was an outsider, Reagan was also considered an outsider. Even though he had run before, he ran, you know, and didn't win, you know, the nomination in 1976. Hmm. The then incumbent Gerald Ford won the nomination. Right. And so Reagan had run. He did have fans. You know, he's governor of the largest state in the country. He it was kind of a political realignment, you know, and really the country changed forever after that election. I mean, Reagan was then president for eight years and Bush followed him. And so it, it was a long legacy after that. But 1980 was the moment in time that this all changed. Right. The other thing in 1980 that I asked somebody before this podcast, what, what do you think about when you think about that election? And their response was the hostages. Mm. So that was the other thing that was going on. Carter was getting blamed for the economy, but then he was also getting blamed for the hostages. There was in Iran, you know, religious government of Iran headed by the Ayatollah Khomeini had taken these Americans hostage. And it was, you know, it was a real crisis. And it ended, though, however, when Reagan became president, the hostages were, were released like immediately after he took office, in a way, leaving both Carter and Reagan unable to claim credit or both to claim credit. Nobody could say they, you know, because they were released immediately after Reagan took office. It wasn't Reagan's success and it wasn't Carter. So right. that's or so people say. Yeah. Now, how um, how old was uh, Reagan in his because he won uh, he won two terms, right? Yeah. How was how old was he towards the end there? I'm kind of That's a good curious. question. Toward the end he was nearing 80. I mean, he he I think Joe Biden who just turned 80 um asked him as being the oldest sitting president that uh, before Biden 
became now the oldest sitting president, it was Reagan, who right. was like maybe 78, I don't know, 79, something like that. Well, let's let's ask Frenchie. Frenchie, <laughs> dig that up. How old was Reagan, you know, when he uh in his in his you know later years there as president? There's lots of discussion about age with our political leaders. Yes. And I seem to recall that Reagan actually did have some troubles uh, when he was in office, you know, uh, based mm-hmm. on his age towards the end there. I think he seemed he seemed to be forgetful. I don't know. He he would have press conferences and he would often hand it off. There would be like a phalanx of staff behind him and somebody would ask him a, person, a question about defense. Oh, defense. Uh, hey, could you answer that over, you know, here? Or, oh, uh, healthcare. Oh, why don't you take that? You know, he'd hand that off to someone else at his press conferences. All right. Oh, uh, Frenchie is messaging us. He says that Reagan ended his term in 1989. And so he was, what? Frenchie's typing swaks. Swax de decept. What the hell is that, Mike? Oh, 77. Okay. All right. Well, that's not as old as things are these days. No. All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for your political insights, as always. Sure. Now we're, let's move on to our second segment. Movie. This episode is A Fish Called Wanda. Uh, that movie was made in uh, 1988, so it was in the 80s as well. Uh, you know, it was written and stars John Cleese from uh, Monty Python fame, Mike. Yes. And Wanda in the film's title, it's the name of a fish in a fish tank in the movie. And also the name of the female lead, Jamie Lee Curtis. So John Cleese plays a lawyer in the film. Yeah. In England, uh, yeah. In England, yeah. They're called a barrister. And uh, his his character's name is Archie Leach, which they chose that name because it's based on Cary Grant's real name. That's right. Yeah. So some people might know the name Cary Grant as an attractive, handsome actor in the past. Like, uh, when, when was that? 1920? No? Later? I'd say the 50s. All right, we'll go with the 50s. So John Cleese loved uh, Cary Grant, and he said, you know, this is the closest I'm ever going to get to being him, so I'm going to call myself Archie Leach. I have a crunch, uh, another question for Frenchie. Uh, what's French for lawyer? You know, I guess they say barrister in England, but ah, he's typing. Ham de loy. Well, I don't uh, What? Uh, oh, uh, or... Avocat. I think I I think I'd go with that. Avocat. Like an advocate. Yeah, like an advocate. Uh here's another interesting fact. Mike, in the film, Archie's daughter, uh Portia, is played yes. by uh Cleese's real life daughter. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So this film, you know, was in the eighties. And if you watch it today, I think Mike, uh you'll agree that it's somewhat dated. A little bit, a little bit, but um, a lot of things still hold up in it. You know, when I rewatch it that I think um, still hold up today, 
And the biggest, the biggest thing I love about the film is Kevin Klein. He's good. Yeah, he plays Otto. And yeah. Kevin Klein to me, he's the perfect uh, 80s actor. He's uh, snarky, aggressive, confident, you know, classic 80s. And he plays the ugly American perfectly. Uh, honestly, I think this is his best film role ever. Um, Were there some awards for this, you know? Yes. So interestingly, the film was nominated for three awards, uh, including Best Original Screenplay, which I have to agree with. I mean, it's very unique, the screenplay, mm -hmm. the film. So the, the film was also nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor, and it was actually won by Kevin Kline. And I think I think that's that might be his only um, you know Oscar win to be honest, hmm. but it's very well deserved. Um, he is amazing in the role. Uh, there's so many things I love about what he what he does, and you know I don't really know how much of it was improvised because I have to assume that Cleese allowed a little bit of leeway given his Monty Python skit days. Yeah. It it gave the impression of being improvised, which if, if it wasn't that that's impressive, you yeah. know. Yeah. You know, we noted that a lot of things in the film sort of don't stand the test of time. So some of the things that Kevin Klein does in the film, uh, you know, wouldn't necessarily fly today. You know, he's he makes fun of the other character's stutter. Uh in one in one scene he says he asks the guy a question and the guy is speechless for a moment. And, and Otto says, I can't tell if you're thinking or if you're in mid stutter. <laughs> and then another time uh, towards the end of the film, the other character is now getting revenge on Otto and Otto is laughing at him saying, Oh no, kick -k -k is kick -k -k coming to kick -k -k kill me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know if that would fly today, but the guy gets his revenge. He does. Another part of the film that I just I just absolutely love is when Otto is with Archie in his house and he uh, Archie gets surprised by his wife who says, you know, who's this? And Archie doesn't know what to say. So Otto says, oh, yes. Hello. Hello, ma'am. I'm uh, I'm with the CIA. Uh, my name's uh, Harvey uh, Manfrenchism. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's struggling trying to come up with the name. He and she repeats it later, up. which is I think which makes me laugh. Oh yeah, yeah, that's perfect comedic writing. So they uh -huh. commence a little dialogue where she doubts him, and she says, "You know, what do you mean you're with the CIA? A CIA wouldn't announce themselves." And he says. Well, ma'am, you obviously know nothing about uh, spy work, spycraft. And she, and she says, well, I'll have you know, Mr. Manfrenchism, that I, <laughs> my father, was in, this, was in the Secret Service. <laughs> yeah. But she, like, perfectly says his fake last name. <laughs> yes. How do you do, Mrs. Leach? I'm uh, Harvey Manfrenchism. I'm uh, with the CIA. Yeah. So that's perfect. A few other interesting things about the film. Uh, it was it was made for, and this is $1988, but it was made for $8 million, which is pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. But it made $190 million. Okay. So that's a lot more. <laughs> Speaking of other scenes that I love, well, first let me just say that John Cleese was great. 
yes. um, in the film. I mean, you know, he he's also, I assume, responsible for a lot, most of the dialogue, but just his performance in the film is great. Uh, specifically, I love where he's in court and he has Wanda up on the stand, but he has to be professional. He's not supposed to really know who she is. And she starts to go off script on the stand, surprising, you know, Archie. And Cleese says, Wanda. And everyone looks at him in a curious way as to why is, why is he being so familiar with her? And so to recover, he says, Wanda, 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 I wonder, I, I wonder who else was with you. And to me, that just seems perfect. It's a perfect, like, improv moment. Wanda, I wonder, I wonder. I wonder, I Wendy, I wonder, I wonder, I, 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 when, when you say uh, five to seven. Delivered by uh, Cleese. Mm-hmm. You know, and to this day, if I ever meet somebody named Wanda, sometimes I'll fall into that. Hey, what's your name? Wanda? Wanda? Wanda, I, I, wonder, I wonder, wonder what you're doing here. <laughs> and then in that same scene, you got to love the writing uh, where... Jamie Lee Curtis is on the stand and now she turns and betrays the the witness she's supposed to be or the defendant she's supposed to be lying for on the stand. So she's supposed to be lying and saying, uh, oh, yeah, he I was with him all morning so that he couldn't be prosecuted for this this robbery. Right. Right. And so, yeah, so Archie asks, uh, oh, so you were with him the whole morning. And she says, no, he left at 7 a.m. And he says, what? How how do you know that? And she says, yes, I remember the time because I saw it was 7 a.m. And I asked myself, why is George leaving at 7 with that sawed-off shotgun? (laughs) All right. Uh, So another interesting thing, Mike, you know, the the actor in the film, uh, John Cleese. Yeah. There was uh, there was a time in in the recent past where he was on Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh-huh. and I actually had the opportunity to attend that uh, that taping. Oh, yeah, and you know when you when you go into the taping uh, based on how you get invited, uh-huh. they give you an option. They say you can be in the audience, or you can be in the green room. the the room in the back where uh, the guests hang out before they go up on stage. Uh And so if you're given that decision, what what do you pick, Mike? I think green room. Exactly. So I pick the green room. Because you rub elbows with, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you pick the green room. So, but they have a rule that you pick one or the other. You can't mix them. Yep. So I pick the green room and I'm back in the green room. And first of all, it's pretty awesome because they have all kinds of food and beverages um, for free, Mike. You don't even have to pay for the food and the beverages. What? You just you just walk up. I'll have that and they give it to you. <laughs> so I'm back there partaking in the food and the beverages. And in walks in John Cleese because he's the guest that night. And I didn't really know who the guests <laughs> were going to be. Yep. And first of all, he's tall. Yeah. Secondly, he's with um, two guys, which I can only assume are like his security. Yep. Because he is not talking or being friendly with them. 
Is he taller than you, Doug? Because you're a tall guy. I am tall. And the answer is no. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, this will be fun to chat a little bit with John Cleese because, of course, I admire his work. And I thought, ooh, you know, I can compliment him on some things and, and that'll be nice. And so I tried to talk to him, but he just gave me a look like, don't you dare. <laughs> and then his two guys sort of blocked him off. Oh. And so that kind of ruined my green room experience. That's too bad. It is too bad. And it, listen, listen, John Cleese, it's not like I'm just some guy off the street approaching you. I'm in the green room. Yeah. That should give me a little bit of cred, I would think. Yeah. A few other things about the film. Otto, played by Kevin Klein again, he is just this perfect, ugly American, always insulting the English, making yes. comments. And he's always driving in the wrong lane. Whenever he gets in a car, he immediately drives in the wrong lane, clips someone else, you know, because the lanes are reversed, and uh, and then yells at them, curses at them yes. as he drives away, like it's their fault. Uh, right. And he does it like in the film, like four times. Right. <laughs> they show him just banging into a car. And in one, he bangs into a car and the car stops and he stops and the driver gets out and says, you know, excuse me, my good man. <laughs> and he turns around and with his silenced, silenced gun pistol, he shoots the hat off the guy. And the guy says, oh, very well, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mistake. He's constantly crashing into people and then calling them assholes yeah. as he drives away, giving them the finger. Um, when you look at the subtitles on the film, the very last subtitled word is asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I think we can probably wrap up the uh, movie segment today. Sure. Okay, well, for all of us here at Politics in a Movie, thank you for listening. And yes. you can check out our website at politicsandamovie.com. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Doug. It was a pleasure. And thank you, Frenchie. Au revoir. Merci right. beaucoup.